this morning I have a little bit of a question for you, and I, and I do want audience participation. So sorry for those of you that are online, but how many of you have been part of either a home renovation or some home improvement project? That's right. We are talking about renovating this morning. Melvin and I have decided to, after almost 30 years, finally upgrade our kitchen. It's been something we've put off for forever. And we're really excited to get started. Or at least we were really excited to get started because you know how a renovation goes. Once you start with your kitchen and you change that flooring, it's like, oh, the hallway really looks bad. Well, we'll just continue the flooring through the hallway. But then how do you tie in your hallway to your living room? Well, We'll just continue the flooring into the living room. Well, Melvin, honestly, the living room is the same flooring as a master bedroom. We may as well change that too, but we will stop at the bathroom. That is it. So that's what we decided. And so our wonderful friends, John and Helen Kroll, came out on their vacation to help us start demo. And what an exciting day that was, or so we thought. It took, it took us, well, mostly Melvin, the better part of four days just to chip off our tile floor in the kitchen. And you can imagine, that's when the renovation started to get a little out of control because by the time we got to the bathroom, which we were not going to touch, we noticed that the floor was a good two inches higher there. And so guess what? We pulled out our bathroom and now that's gone too. So we have spent the better part of the summer living in sawdust and concrete flooring and concrete chips and mess all summer long. Now my gifting as an administrator says that when things are chaos, my head goes forward and thinks of a way out of the chaos. I make my checklists, we straighten out chaos. But I'll tell you, when everything becomes unforeseen, I am thrown off kilter. And in the case of our renovation, it was the electrical system. Because guess what? Our house was not wired to bylaw. Once you open a wall, you now have to upgrade your electrical. Now, Melvin and I knew that meant holes in the walls and a new panel. But what we didn't foresee is that it meant they needed to be in the basement, which is where we have been living with our little camping stove. And I gotta tell you, the breaking point for me was when by accident, our freezer got unplugged. Now, how do you handle a breaking point? Now, I'd like to think that generally, I handle it with grace and composure, but I did not. I did not handle this well at all. As a matter of fact, I think most people that know me know that when I'm excited about something, it's fairly obvious. And when I'm frustrated, that's fairly obvious too. So I don't know what the actual point of contention was, but when Melvin came home, I with flailing arms was blah, 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 Melvin, rah, rah. And then Melvin was excited as well. And before you knew it, we were having this absolutely ridiculous argument until I thought, standing back, I knew what I looked like and I started to laugh. And then I said to Melvin, what are we arguing about? 
And then he said, I don't even remember. And that was it. We just had to laugh and go, oh my goodness. We had both forgotten the purpose of what our renovation was for. Now, ultimately, the whole plan was, this was an outdated kitchen, and I wanted to have people over. I wanted to have space. And I could jokingly say to Melvin, like, look, Melvin, if one of us ends up in a wheelchair, I just have to kick you from the kitchen to the bedroom. It's a straight, straight line. So that was the whole intent. The intent was to have people over. The intent was to be a home of hospitality. And instead, we ended up forgetting about that and not handling the situation well. So when Pastor Chris said to me, would you do a message on unity? I thought, oh my goodness, that's our renovation right there. When we let our, our circumstances shift our eyes from what the end goal is, that's when we run into problems and that's when we run into controversy. In the entire book of John, and I think that Mike alluded to this, if you go through the entire book of John, it starts from his baptism. It talks about gathering his disciples. It talks about the main focus of the ministry. It also ends with Jesus coming into the town of Jerusalem. The key concepts that Jesus was always talking about was love each other. Love each other the way the Father has loved you. So now imagine where we are at in the story of Jesus. He has just ridden into Jerusalem, and there are cheering crowds. It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is weeping because he knows that the very ones that are celebrating him, the people of Jerusalem, will be calling for his crucifixion. And his beloved disciple, Judas, is going to betray him. He knows that he will obediently sacrifice his life. Now, the time of this passage where we hit this talking about the vine is one of the last teaching uh, moments that Jesus has with his disciples. Well, just like we're familiar with renovations, his disciples were familiar with vineyards. Now, we might not be, and I certainly wasn't, so I went to my friend Google to find out how exactly does a vineyard work? And so I also had a book on my shelf by an author, uh, Bruce Wilkinson, called Teachers of the Vine. Now, I, I think that his idea is more to talk about abundance, but there were some nuggets that I picked up about vineyards. So the first is this. What is the purpose of a vineyard? Purpose of a vineyard is to grow fruit. The same purpose can be said of the Christian life. We are called to produce spiritual fruit. That's the spiritual fruits of love, joy, patience, which I'm working on, etc. New branches, did you know this, have a tendency to grow downwards. So it's the vine dresser's job to lift them up, to wash off any dirt because that would get moldy, and to stake them so they grow upwards towards the sun. As Christians, we have a tendency to follow the world. But Jesus' death on the cross lifts us up, washes us clean, and shows us the direction that we are to grow. In his word, he tells us the right way to grow. So let's heed his words. During the first year of growth, grapes that form on, form on a vine should be removed from a plant. 
This allows all of the energy of the plant to go towards its roots and its leaves. I also read in 1 Timothy 3.16 that Paul says, the qualification for an overseer or deacon is that they not be a recent convert, or they may be puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation. So the Bible is telling us, grow first in your knowledge and relationship with God, and then you can handle the responsibilities that come with that. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? One of the most important tasks of growing grapes is long-term pruning. Verse 2 says, He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he, he prunes. I didn't understand that. Why is pruning so important to growth? Well, it turns out that that keeps the main stem and branches stronger. As plant matures, also old growth will be removed in subsequent years. I wondered how that, how that could be translated over to us. And I thought it had a lot to do with how we're governed here. So at Bethel Community Church, the governing elders are tasked with mission, vision, and values. And they have to check ministry health. So they check to see if a ministry is flourishing, still doing what it's supposed to do, or if there's a slight shift or change that needs to happen. But it also means at some points, when a ministry is no longer effective or the passion has seemed to fizzle for it, the governing elders can make a call to say, perhaps it's time we let this one rest for a while. And you know what? When that's been done, sometimes ministries come back in a new and fresh way and bring amazing vitality back to us as a church family. So the vineyard tips in the book of John are focused on keeping believers healthy and focused on the goal, that of growing closer to God and loving each other the way he has taught us to love. We become disunified as believers. We're not following his words to remain in him, to bear fruit, to love each other. We do not like being pruned. And if we're honest, we really don't even like change. We resist it because it means we're no longer in control. So right now, we are living in a time of constant change. Mask on, mask off. It feels like chaos. And as a result, I have noticed that as believers, we are becoming more disunified than ever before. We are not following God's example of remaining in Him. We are not bearing spiritual fruit. We are not loving each other. Our world is filled with controversies right now. And COVID almost was like scraping the topping off of a wound that was already there. We've been through a lot this year. Isolation, anger, uh, controversies over not only the pandemic and how to treat it, but other things that seem to be tearing our churches apart. Controversies stir up defensiveness and anger. In 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul says, the goal of our instruction is love. And he prayed in Philippians 1.9 through 11 that our love abound in knowledge unto the glory and praise of God. Controversy threatens that. 
It's hard to, rev to revel in a love poem if you're going to be arguing about who wrote it. Another thing I noted when I was going through this is that a Greek translation for abide is make your home in me. Isn't that beautiful? Abiding in God is to make our home in him. And when we do that, when we have made our home in God, controversies seem to settle down and we seem to treat each other with a lot more love. So in this text, we can find great moments of God's grace. The world is going to continue to change. Our bodies will decay. Dreams are like leaves that wither up and die and blow away in the wind. The heavens and earth are going to wear out. But thanks be to God, our God never changes. His mercies never come to an end. And Jesus Christ, the founder and our perfecter of our faith, is today, the same today, tomorrow, and forever. The gifts of God that he has promised us promise that we will grow and flourish. And when we see our character grow and flourish in our relationship with Christ, we can remember that we are abiding in him. And he is a vine dresser, and his job is to keep us healthy and growing and producing the best yield. The inner fruit that we, we uh, produce is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. But the outer fruit is when we allow God to work through us for his glory. When we rely on God, when we don't rely on our own plans, which are shifting, we know that God is constant and he will remain so. And we remain unified when we trust in our immovable God. We are reminded of his grace and mercy in Lamentations 3. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning Great is your faithfulness. The Father has shared this amazing covenantal love with us, an abiding love with the Son since before the world began, and guess what? Now he pours it on us because of Jesus. I have changed this, the wording on Romans 8, just a little bit. Thanks be to God. Nothing, not life, nor death, not a diagnosis, a failed contract, and a strange relationship, not the withering of our own aging bodies, nor a global pandemic. Nothing can wrench us from his love. Kathy Furchow and I have been spending a lot of time with Pastor Michelle Cool of Covenant Christian Reformed Church. We meet with her regularly. And Michelle, Pastor Michelle sent me this. When troubles seem to pile up and stress isn't dealt with well, when we're imbalanced with life and can't take our eyes off of what's been lost and what used to be that once seemed so abundant and good, when the constant simmering of differing opinions, mask or no mask, vaccinate or no vaccination, wears us thin until we simply feel red-cheeked, constantly slapped by one thing after another, then we complain, and we take it too far. We take our eyes off God. We become cynical, distressed, joyless. 
It's all just too big to see past, and allowing our feelings to lead, we're a gloomy bunch, even antagonistic. We complain and don't realize that we've begun to blame God. Our grumbling becomes accusing. Our lament becomes discontent. And we forget the greatness of God. While the music team comes up and prepares for our next set of worship music, I have some challenges for us all, and this includes myself. Our challenge is to promote unity, period, full stop. We need to encourage each other, as it says in Ephesians 4, 9, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Our challenge is to be prayerful. When we are united in prayer, when we pray for each other and with each other, it's very hard to be divided. Our challenge is to remember whom we represent. We are to be united around the core essentials of faith. Our challenge is to remember God's love for us because that shows us how we should love each other and how we promote unity in the body. So let's remember the purpose of renovation or pruning or whatever you want to call it. It's to provide unity. And in the case of pruning, it is to provide opportunities for growth. Renovations and pruning can cause a lot of pain, but in the end, they make things better. Pruning lets the sun in on the plant and promotes better, better growing. Spiritual pruning lets the Son of God in. Let's heed this call of unity together as we love our God and as we love each other. Would you pray with me? Father God, you have called us to be a community of believers and community means we do things together and we love each other. And Father, forgive us, forgive me for those moments of saying things that not only didn't promote unity but caused disunity. Father, our, our world seems to be a festering mess and we just ask you to come in and clean it out because, Lord, we just want to serve you. We want to give you the glorification in this world that you deserve. But even more so, Lord, we want to tell others about it, this great love that you have for us that changes who we are from the inside out. Father God, would you allow us to walk with you today? Would you follow after you and do the things that you have asked of us? Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that you love us. And thank you for this time that we could have together to worship you and praise your name. Amen.